Welcome to Falcons Drip, your go-to source for Falcons news and draft coverage. I'm Thon Ray, founder and voice of Falcons Drip. Welcome back, everybody. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff. I gave you all a chance, an opportunity, to submit some NCAA players that we would kind of look into, dissect, and talk about. But we're not just going to talk about them. We would talk about how they they would fit in Atlanta, fit in our systems, what rounds we would expect them to go in, if it makes sense for us to pick them there or not. So this is something that I love to do, and this is something that I just do naturally. I'm watching games. You know, I see Georgia, Alabama's playing. That I'm tuned into that game. I'm just looking, and, and people pop and stand out, even if it's just a, a Thursday night and Cincinnati's playing another team and I go okay like I know they got some players on there that I want to check out and just take a look at so we did a little bit more of a deep dive into some of these guys we hopefully will get through all of them I don't know just depends on how much time we have but we'll do a lot more of this kind of stuff once the season's kind of over once Atlanta's kind of out of the playoffs and by that I mean get knocked out of the playoffs because we're taking that last spot in the NFC so before we jump into some of these guys Jeff, anything you want to say or talk about? I'm hoping we don't really have to get too deep into this process for a while because I would like to see us make the playoffs, have stuff to build on every week leading up to that point, right? So hopefully this is a process we get started in late February, right? Because that would be... (laughs) (laughs) That would be the Super Bowl. (laughs) Right? So that's when I hope to start deep diving into this. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Realistically, though, like... Playoffs are attainable. We got to change some things, but we've talked about that till we were blue in the face. So let's just jump right into these guys. The first player I want to bring up, because this was by far the the player who was brought up the most, not even close, was Ahmad Sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. And there's a lot to like there. He's been playing great. He's a long, lanky, but fluid corner. Like he's not just like a big guy. And he checks a lot of boxes, mm-hmm. and he has great ball skills. So this is a guy that a lot of people like the idea of because everybody likes the idea of a guy getting a lot of picks. Everyone was enamored with Trayvon Diggs to start the year. So this is a guy people want to see the same type of production from, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're talking 6'2". I mean, he's listed at 6'2", but I've I've read some things saying he's like 6'3 now because he's still growing. He's very, like you said, very long, thin, slim build, very, very long, very aggressive. Um, probably the only downside to his game, or one of the few downsides to his game. Um, he gets a lot of penalties for being overly aggressive, which I don't necessarily hate. You can tell he may not be as coached up as some of these other cornerbacks are, just from a technique standpoint, um, overstepping standpoint sometimes. But he looks good. He is, in my opinion, he would have to be a first-round pick for us. He is in the second tier of that cornerback group. And for me, there's three. You got Derek Stingley, and then you've got your next tier, which is in no particular order, Ahmad Gardner, Andrew Booth Jr. out of Clemson, and Kier Elam out of Florida. But Ahmad is somebody who, you know, if we were to take him, we'd take him in probably the mid, mid-early first round. He'd be an outside cornerback for us with those. He's kind of got like go-go gadget arms almost. Like you can look at him and you see like, holy cow, like that dude's got some long arms. Yeah, and we will have to look at cornerback in some way in the offseason because if you look at who we have on the payroll for next year, it's A.J. Terrell, Kendall Sheffield, Darren Hall, and Avery Williams, and that's it. But those are the four guys. None of them screams number two corner. 
Like, we need to either bring back Fabian Moreau, we need to find somebody else, but we need a number two corner. And so if we use a first-round pick on that, we're expecting to have two lockdown corners, similar to maybe, like, the Dolphins in the way that they've spent a bunch of money to have two lockdown corners. This is something I want to get into a little bit, because whether it be Gardner, whether it be Elam, whether it be Booth, this is such a deep edge class that you can get some great edge rushers in rounds two, maybe even possibly rounds three. And we got two picks in round two, don't forget. So it's important to look at our system, our scheme. Right now, Dean Pease is playing handcuffed. What do I mean by that? Dean Pease, he's playing, he doesn't have great edge rushers. He doesn't have another great cornerback. Fabian Moreau's okay. We really don't have a nickel right now. We're rotating guys through our nickel, nickel spot. But if you can get somebody like Ahmad Gardner, or if you can get someone like an Elam, or maybe even, you know, let's just stick with Ahmad Gardner because that's who we're talking about right now. But if you can get a Gardner at, at picks, you know, 13, 14, 15, something along those lines, then you're able to play a lot more man-to-man coverage. You're able to send a lot more blitzes. You're able to do a lot of the things that Dean Pease likes to do. So you may not have <clears throat> you may not have that elite edge rush. You might not have that elite edge rusher that everyone covets and everybody wants, but we're more likely to play man-to-man, send more blitzes, become more of a high-risk, high-reward type defense because we have those players on the back end that can make up for that. Right, and I think Gardner would provide a lot of that assurance just based on how he plays. And the only thing I worry about is how skinny he is. When he has to match Mm -hmm. up against some of these bigger body wide receivers, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because he's just a slim guy. I know he's aggressive, and he's willing to fight. That's the good news. Mm. But some of these guys like a Mike Evans, who he's going to maybe play twice a year, he's physical. And he's be- he's yeah. beating up on big cornerbacks, much less a skinny skinny guy. And it, so it's like, can Gardner make up for that with his aggressiveness, with his length, with his athletic ability, and building on some more techniques to kind of grow and be able to stop those kind of bigger, stronger, more aggressive wide receivers? Now, we talked about this being the second clump. Would you agree with me, Jeff, that this the, these are the second tier of cornerbacks? Yes. Yeah, if you're talking about Booth and Elam in the same. Yeah, Booth, Elam, Gardner. Like, is there anybody else you think you'd put in there? Do you, you know, obviously it's Stingley. I mean, he's the best. These other guys are right, right nipping at his heels, though. Yeah, that that's where I'm at because they all have like a little bit something dropping them below Stingley because Stingley's like your mm-hmm. prototype. I mean, as of right now, I, I it's hard to see major flaws with him or anything. Whereas these other guys all have something where you're like hey, maybe this might be an issue. Most likely not, but you still have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. So when we're looking at this second tier, I have to say that my favorite, and if we had a choice between them, again, if we ended up with Gardner, I'd be ecstatic. I think he's a great fit. I think he's going to be a great player. But I prefer Elam out of any of these other guys in this tier. Now, why do I prefer Elam? Elam plays in the SEC. He goes up against these great dominant receivers week in and week out. He goes up against guys who are going to be first, second round picks, and he holds his own. I mean, I don't know if you said this. Gardner has not given up a touchdown in his college career, but he's not going up against the type of talent that Elam's going up. Now, when I watch the two of them, too, Elam is similar, 6'2", 6'3". He's a little bit bigger, maybe 8 to 10 pounds bigger. Same thing. 
go-go gadget arms, just these arms that come out of nothing. But he's got great explosiveness, his ability to play the ball. I mean, these guys are very, very similar, except for the level of competition. And I think that the way Elam moves, to me, is a little less clunky, if that makes sense. It hasn't stopped Gardner from being dominant. It hasn't stopped him from being in the right place at the right time. It's just like you kind of see this almost basketball-type hip movement. Between Elam and Gardner... Gardner's a little bit more stiff. He's a little bit, you know, a little bit more clunky. Elam's just this really smooth basketball type player, almost looking at like almost basketball snake slithering through the grass type player out there. Yeah. And the the other thing I noticed with Elam is sometimes you can almost feel like he's hungry to make a play, which is good. But sometimes he gets a step behind and you get worried a little bit. But he does such an amazing job of playing the hands of wide receivers that he breaks up the pass from behind. He does whatever has to happen. And I think his his ability to get after the hands of the wide receiver while the ball's coming in is a huge plus for him. Mm-hmm. And I think if, if, if he can get his technique refined a little bit or or at least not maybe set himself up to maybe be a step behind at times, like I said, he makes up for it most of the time, so it's not that big of a deal, he'll be even better. Yeah, I think of these guys we're mentioning – um, I think Elam, again, another outside type corner. I think he has the highest ceiling out of all of these guys and possibly the lowest floor. He may have the the lowest floor of the, the guys, Booth, Gardner, and Elam. But like I said, mm-hmm. like he has some of these intangibles that you just, you can't really teach it at some point. Like some guys just can make these plays that other guys can't. And if he can just refine his technique a little bit more, I mean, he's been fantastic. Like you said, he... I mean, he's very good, and he shut down John Maechi, who's one of the top wide receivers coming in to the draft from Alabama. He shut him down. Like, it was dominant performance. He really, Elam really reminds me of, like, almost a little bit thinner, but almost like a Patrick Peterson-type player, like, just smooth, you know, sticky. He's probably a little bit slower than Patrick Peterson, which is why, you know, Patrick Peterson was a top-five guy. Elam will probably be top-10, top-15-type player. But he really is just very, he's just a smooth, great athlete, go-go gadget arms. Like I said, he's my favorite out of these three, but it's it's their neck and neck, right? Like by the end of the process, right, if we go and we see the combine hasn't happened, the pro days haven't happened, like if we go and Elam runs a 4-5 and Gardner runs a 4-3, like <clears throat> Gardner leaps way ahead of Elam, you know, like that's how close they are. It's like we got to see what happens with the combine and that kind of stuff. Right. And then the other guy we haven't talked about is Andrew Booth Jr., from Clemson he to me has the highest ceiling he's very refined player I mean he's also playing in a very good defense Venables has had like the number one defense in four the past five years type I believe that that's right I don't either way Venables is a very good defensive coordinator Clemson is a very good program brings in top recruits he's in a good spot to be successful but he also he's a smart solid player let's talk about this The, the things that I really like about Booth is he's like he's super explosive, right? Like he's his ability to twist and contort his body to make these crazy interceptions, these crazy pass breakups. And he, of these guys, he's the fastest, I think. The fastest, the most explosive. And like I said, there's ridiculous highlight reel plays because of his ability to kind of twist his body in midair. Body control, we call that. And, and you say that, but I worry at times that he doesn't actually do as much as like you feel like he might be 
Like he only has three interceptions in college. Mm-hmm. So like those are nice. And well, he's played so much. He's played so much less than these other guys. I mean, he yes. up until I think up until this year, he only started two games. No, I know. I know he's been limited. I know he was limited last year, but at the same time, you just want to see some production like at the same, like you haven't seen as much of them too. So it's worrisome at times. And the other thing too, is I don't know, like he seems at times a little lost playing zone. Um, like he doesn't quite fully understand his responsibilities, the responsibilities of the defense and that kind of stuff. So again, I really like him for me. It probably goes Elam Gardner booth in that order. But again, neck and neck very close elam and gardner are more similar in just kind of styles where booth i think could potentially end up being like an inside corner and an outside guy where i think these other two guys are best suited on the outside yeah i mean i could i could see elam at times inside if he if he can get a little better off the snap and staying with guys and maybe not not committing himself one direction at times i think he can grow into an inside guy as well Mm -hmm. and i think too like him and Gardner are both so dominant at press man and they rely on that pretty heavily. So then when you're in the slot, typically you're not able to get your hands on guys as well. So that's why I say that, that they're, they might be best suited outside. Yeah. So those are the corners again. And we talked about why Dean Pees and why these guys could be a good fit, especially if we're picking somewhere from nine to, you know, nine to 18, nine to 19, somewhere in there. And one of these guys happened to fall to us. Awesome. So the next guy that, and the guys, this is in no particular order. The next guy I want to talk about who is brought up, and that is Jordan Battle, the safety out of Alabama. Yeah, he's been a good player at Alabama for a couple of years now. He does a great job of playing a, a deep safety. Uh, he definitely is somebody who likes to keep the play in front of him and is, is very aggressive coming forward when he sees his time to run up, make a tackle. He's coming in hard, fast. He's not shy at all. So that's nice to see. Yeah, and he's a guy who can play both, right? Like he can play free, he can play strong safety. When I think about him and where he fits, he'll probably end up being a day two, you know, second, third round pick. And for me, at safety with what we have already in Richie Grant and what we have already with Jay Hawk, like taking a safe our third safety or taking a third safety that early is just gonna be a little too much for me. Again, incredible ability. He has all the athletic ability in the world. Um, you do see some sorts of like lapses in, in processing out there. There's times, you know, he's too aggressive, misses tackles, takes bad angles, but also all very coachable stuff. I mean, he's so twitched up, like so twitchy, so full of energy, great athleticism. He just needs to kind of rein it in a little bit. But again, I don't see us taking him just because of that position value and what we already have yeah based on our needs i feel like this would be a bad pick in in the first three rounds yeah i mean if let's say we go to round three and he's available and like there's nobody really there and we took him i wouldn't be that upset like he's a great he's a heck of a player he's got great potential in the nfl as an nfl safety but just not what we need definitely in the first two rounds so the next guy I want to talk about is the offensive tackle out of Minnesota, uh, Daniel Filele. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right or not, but he's a massive, massive man. I mean, he's 6'9", 380 pounds, and he moves very, very well for a man of that size. Yeah, I mean, he's top-tier movement at that size. Like, there's, he's not the best-moving offensive lineman 
in this draft, mm-hmm. but we're talking movement for size. I mean, he's got to be top 1% in, in the world. I mean, there's just – you shouldn't be able to move like that when you're almost 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. So where he's projected to go, right? He's projected to be a second, third-round pick. If we got him in the third round, and you guys notice with all my mock drafts, I'm always taking him in the third round because if he falls to the third round with that size and that athleticism, again, he is a, he's a little slow because of how big he is. But for just his si- the athleticism for his size and his speed is ridiculous. You won't see many power rushes on him. Like He's going to have to be beat with speed and technique. It's rare that he'll be, even if he's off balance, he's so big, most of these guys won't be able to bull rush him. And his biggest flaws are kind of his own, relying on his own size instead of working on his technique. Um, Sometimes players can get kind of underneath him because of how tall he is. But if he can get used to the game a little bit more, if he can work on some of the nuances, if he can work on just some more technique stuff, and play a little bit more and just, you know, like I said, get used to the game, he legitimately could be a very dominant NFL right tackle in this league. His ceiling is almost top five tackle in the league. Mm-hmm. His, I mean, he's definitely nowhere close to that right now. No, he's a very, very raw product, even as a, I believe he's a senior this year, but he's just, he played rugby before football, and he's just not used to, the technique and just the game, but his length, his strength, his athleticism for this length and strength is just crazy. So he would be a developmental right tackle, possibly left tackle, just depending on how things went. But he's a guy that I would for sure, if he's in there in the third round, we got to take him possibly in the second round. Somebody you got to think about, especially with the problems we've been having with our offensive line. Right. Uh, Definitely. He's definitely somebody you have to look at and, and, I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons really evaluated him hard with two second-round picks. In my dream scenario, right, we go into the first round, and I think I, I, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I've definitely posted about it on Instagram. If we, we go into the first round, we take the best player available because in this draft, there's so many good offensive linemen. There's so many good cornerbacks. There's so many good wide receivers, and there's so many good edge rushers which are four of the things that we need most. So, I mean, this draft plays right into our needs. So we take best player available, but I want to come out of those first four picks, rounds one, our two in round two, and our our pick in round three. And I want to come out of those with either an elite edge rusher in round one, and if we don't go edge rusher in round one, I want to take at least two edge rushers in those next three picks. That's kind of my ideal scenario. But I would love Philele here. The massive alignment out of Minnesota. So I want to jump into the running backs a little bit here. I don't want to talk too much about these guys because Kenneth Walker III is a Heisman candidate. I mean, he's absolutely tearing it up. The problem with him is he's probably going to end up being a second, third round pick. And for me, that's just too rich for running back right now. We have too many needs. We don't have the luxury of taking a running back. Plus, who wants a running back when you don't have an offensive line? Yeah, you'd just be setting him up to fail in a lot of ways. Like, look at Saquon in, in New York. I mean, he's top-tier talent, but you don't really get to see it because their line is so bad. Mm-hmm. And you can look at our struggles this year, and you look at Cordero, and he's been top-tier, but we don't always get to see it because our line is so bad. So until we shore up some of our other issues, as good as he might be, 
I mean, he's got elite juking and elite speed. Mm. A crazy combination. For me, it's his contact balance. Like, his balance is ridiculous. His, like, short area quickness is just absolutely ridiculous. And then he's got great vision, too. I mean, he is... We haven't seen him catch many passes, but he is crazy. Yeah. He's, in my opinion, he's the number one back in this class. And it's, it's hard to argue that. So... It's just he doesn't really fit in our timeline, which is too Can we bad. say he was from Michigan State yet? I have no idea. Well, he's the running back from Michigan State. <laughs> um, the next running back we want to talk about today that you guys submitted to us is James Cook, one of the running backs out of Georgia. Brother of Minnesota Vikings all-star, superstar, megastar, Dalvin Cook. Yeah, and he, he doesn't have that same level of unquestioned ability that his brother has or that Kenneth Walker has. But he has been very productive, and he is a very intriguing talent. And if he's available later, I don't hate the pick. I love him. My fear, like, here's my fear of Cook. So he is taller than Dalvin. James is taller than Dalvin. And coming into the league, he's he's at least 20 pounds thinner. So Dalvin's 5'10". He came in the league at, at 2'10". James is 5'11", 190, 195. But he plays very differently. Like I, You've seen very him split out wide and, and almost play like a receiver at times. My comparison to him is Naheem Hines. Like I think he's just like, I think no matter what you get with James Cook, you're getting a very good third down back. I worry he doesn't have the size or the bulk to be an all- an all-purpose, every-down, number one running back, workhorse running back um, in the NFL. But he's somebody who might be worth taking a fourth, fifth-round pick risk on. Yes, 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 absolutely. Somebody who can come in, be explosive, maybe the kind of successor to Cordero. I don't think he'll be that. But Well, just another – we, we need another weapon, right? So, yeah. so if he <laughs> yes. can be another weapon – Fantastic, because we need that bad. So speaking of weapons, let's move on to these two wide receivers that everybody's talking about. We got a lot of people submit these guys, and that's Jamison Williams and John Michi. Michi, Michi, John Michi out of Alabama. Two guys who are supposed to be first, second round players, both very good, a little different, but kind of play kind of similarly. And a lot of people are asking, like, who I like better and who I think is going to be better. I really liked uh, Mechie. I really thought he was Alabama's number one receiver until I actually saw Jameson Williams play. Yeah, and I like how you said that they're both somewhat similar because they both have been successful beating guys deep with speed. And they're both fast. Jameson Williams seemed to be faster. But Mechie mm-hmm. can beat guys with his speed combined with his route running. Mm-hmm. So, Mechie's the the better route runner, and it and it shows. Agreed, and you can see, you can really see that when he's when he's running routes. Like you might not see it, you know, when you're regularly watching football, you don't get to see all the receivers going out and doing their thing. You just see uh, Michi wide open doing a dig or a comeback or you know something along those lines. Where Jamison Williams really wins with speed deep. But Williams has really quick feet. He's got an explosiveness that he can. He seems a little less refined than Michi, but he seems like he can do those same things. He just needs to work on it. 
Yeah, and, and as opposed to a lot of the other speedsters that enter the N- NFL, he has an, a, a great ability to do a curl route. Like, show off the speed, act like he's going deep, and then hit the brakes hard. Mm. And so just even having that in his repertoire makes him very dangerous at the next level. Someone's going to love Williams because of that speed and because of what he can become. I would be shocked if he makes it out of the first round. Uh, Me too, especially with the proliferation of talented speedsters. Everybody wants to get that next Tyreek Hill or something like that Mm -hmm. where they can just stretch the defense with a talented wide receiver. I mean, look at how high Jalen Waddle went last year. I know that there was the Tua connection, but he was still projected to go high. Look at Henry Ruggs. I mean, Henry Ruggs was the first receiver taken out of a stud receiver class. Yeah, and you're looking at that type of talent, potentially. Except except Williams is 6'2". Like, Williams is 6'2", 180, 185 pounds. He's got long arms. He has the makings of what you would want in an elite receiver. Mechie's a more polished product. He, I think his floor is a lot higher. His ceiling is lower. Mechie's going to be successful at the next level. Whether he's a superstar or not, I don't know. But he will have a place in the NFL. Like, I can almost guarantee that. It, it seems like to me, like, his floor is a wide receiver, too. And then he has, in my opinion, he's got the makings of being a solid number one receiver, where, where Williams has the ability to be a number one guy in the NFL, like be a top number one ranked receiver in the NFL. That's his ceiling. His floor is much lower than Michi's, and he's just a fast guy that can get open. Maybe a th- yeah, and he flames out like yeah. There's a there's a bunch of guys who are fast and can occasionally make a deep ball play. I I would say his floor is a Ted Ginn Jr. This is his floor. And as a special teams player, he's very talented. I mean, he's very talented gunner and a returner. He's there. It's just saying he's on the same level as Ted Ginn is maybe. He has a little room to grow. So just where these guys land, Jameson Williams, if he's there with our first pick in the second round and we grabbed him there, I would be pumped up. If we were in the first round and we traded back into the late first round, grabbed him in the late first round, I would be absolutely okay with that. Mechie is somebody a little too rich for me taking him with our first second. If we got him with our second second or our third, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah, I I don't hate the idea of of grabbing him. I know we just talked a lot about Jameson Williams, but... Like I said, Mechie, I see him being an NFL player. I don't see how he's not. Mm-hmm. And we just need the weapons. All right, moving on to some defensive ends that you guys submitted. Probably the second most submitted player uh, was Jermaine Johnson, Georgia transfer to Florida State. And he is, in my opinion, someone who's very underrated, but shooting up draft boards. Well, it's hard not to have him be shooting up draft boards. He keeps overperforming it at Florida State. It's kind of like a, a wonder as to how he didn't get time in Georgia because you can only imagine with him, with those other guys on that defensive line, being even more dominant almost. So he's been fantastic at Florida State. Georgia lost out on a good one, it looks like. I don't know what was holding him back there. Yeah, and it was. I think it was just they had so many guys, right? Like he would be a rotational guy who would come in and, you know, when he was in, he would – do great, but then he would be right back off the field because of all of these other defensive ends. So him transferring to Florida State, I think, was the best thing that he could do. Coming out of high school, I believe he ran a four five. 
So at 260 pounds now, I mean, there's nothing to say he won't do that again. His athletic ability, his just pure speed, his explosive first step is ridiculous. Yeah, but he also has power too. It's not like he's sacrificing in the run game just to get by the the offensive tackle on the pass rush. He's he's a big, strong guy at the same time. Like I'm not worried about him being a, f- mm-hmm. a three, four down player in the NFL. Yeah, and kind of like we've talked about before, taking speed and transitioning it to power, like if offensive linemen get in the way and being able to bull rush, that is a massive, massive for a defensive end to have, which he's got. Plus, he has a pretty good amount of pass rush moves with swiping, spinning, swimming, and plus the bull rush. I mean, he is, he's got it all. I, right now, I mean, I don't know how he's not talked about as a first round talent. So, so I, I would say also too, like, He's very twitched up again, like we talk about the twitched up, like where he's maybe not as fluid as some of these other guys, but that doesn't really matter when you're rushing the passer. Like if you can do everything else and you're so twitched and like lightning in a bottle explosive and just speed on days, that's fine. Like his hips might not be as loose as somebody as like a Drake Jackson out of USC, but he's, in my opinion, much better than Drake Jackson. Yeah, he's been very productive on a so-so team. So there's a couple of things kind of holding him back and that's, just his like ability to disengage. He's sometimes instead of using his technique, tries to out physical guys, which might not work at the next level. But he's a first round talent for sure. If if we can get him in the second round, I'll be ecstatic. If we end up picking in the late teens and we take him there and it's considered a reach, I'm okay with that. Well, we we need at some point to get an edge talent. We can't we can't put this off again. This has to be this has to be a priority this offseason. Agreed 100%. So now the next guy, and probably the last guy because we are starting to run out of time. We're probably a little over at this point. But the next guy I want to talk about is George Karlaftis out of Purdue. George Karlaftis, he's somebody who is a freak, freak athlete. I, when I looked at his freshman tape originally before the season, I had some concerns about whether or not he'd be able to translate some of that to the next level. He's changed his game up mightily from his freshman year. He missed a lot because of COVID in his sophomore year, so there wasn't much to look at. He's been a lot better this year and has transformed his game in a good way, I think. I think he's added some more pass rushing moves and has just gotten to be a smarter player to go along with his freakish freakish athleticism. And you can see that too. Like You can see his freaky athleticism. I mean, he's probably not as fast as a guy like Jermaine Johnson, right? But he's just as explosive, and he's bigger and stronger. Um, his, like I said, his straight line speed might not be as good. He probably runs closer to a four seven, where Jermaine Johnson probably runs closer to a four five four four. But his get off is ridiculous. His length is ridiculous. He, he's so strong. Now my concerns are when I watch Karlaftis is sometimes it feels like he's a freak athlete and not a freak football player. So what do I mean by that? Like sometimes it seems like he has a hard time understanding run concepts sometimes he has a hard I have a hard time sometimes it seems like he has a hard time being able to understand when he should when he should switch or when he should transition from speed to power and he just continues to use speed and he just kind of gets washed out but when he does when he when he does say okay I'm gonna bull rush here he blows guys back into the quarterback so I I don't know if that's more of just like he needs to play more he needs more film study I don't know what it is his ceiling is ridiculous, but his floor is probably a little bit lower, in my opinion, than someone like a Jermaine Johnson. He'll go top 10, top 15 
It's just what can teams mold him into? You have to have a lot of confidence that you can teach him what he needs to know. I mean, I think he has room to grow, and I think he has learned some. But Agreed. Like you said, with the ru- the rush defense, he's been a little more stagnant, and, and that, that hurts him. But also, he's the main threat on his defense. He's the guy everybody's trying to make sure he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like when you watch the Ohio State game, it was very obvious they were, and everyone said he didn't have a great game. Well, yeah, because he was the person that they were targeting. They were purposely running from him. They were using him to base their their reads off of. So like their zone reads, whether to keep the ball or run it with the quarterback, or to give the ball or run it with the quarterback. They were double teaming him multiple times. So. You know, like you said, he's a big fish in a little pond going and swimming into an ocean. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he's like at the next level because there's so much potential, but you really have to be confident that you can mold him into what you want him to be. Mm -hmm. Whereas some of the other guys are just the top tier rushers are a lot more complete in a lot of ways. And, and I think that's what separates him from a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who we'll get into another time, a guy like Thibodeau, is because I think he has the athletic talents that these other two have, but he doesn't have the almost understanding of the game um, and the refinement and the technique that those other two guys have. Another thing, too, with him, you know, his size, he's big, he's long, is you want to use him like a J.J. Watt type, right? Like, line him up at the five, like three, line him up at the five, inside, outside. He does not do as well inside unless he's shooting and penetrating gaps and he's not double teamed. So just another thing to throw out there, just another reason like a guy like Aiden Hutchinson who's and Thibodeau who's proven like they can do it from the inside too. He definitely can and has done it, but not as consistently as you'd like as a guy who's that big and that strong. So just where, where would we pick him? Basically, if we would have to spend a first-round draft pick on him He's probably going to be a top 10, top 15 guy. So if that's the direction we decide to go, then he would be the pick there. And I I would be a little uncomfortable with that pick just based on the fact that he does need a lot of molding. And we already need so much help. If we're using our first round pick, I want proven talent. And I'd be much more Mm. comfortable with one of the corners than him just because I feel like we're adding to our defense. And you can get other risky picks at the edge position like you talked about in the second round. So, for me, I'm not sold that maybe he's the answer in the first round. I I could be mm-hmm. very wrong. This is still pretty early in the process. But mm-hmm. if we're going to, our first round pick has to hit. We're yes. low on talent. We are low on guys, good guys on contract next year. We're low on salary cap next year. We need to hit in this draft. We don't have the luxury of taking risks. And I'll say this if. He's good enough for Terry Fontenot, and he's good enough for Dean Pease. He's good enough for me. I trust what they could do with him, but I agree 100%. If they hit, if they if they draft him, I know they've done the research. They're confident in what they're going to get. I'm just at this point in the game, again, there's a lot of time left. I'm just not con- that confident taking him that early. So, guys, we broke down some of the players that you guys submitted. We did not get to everyone because, I mean, this – just took a very long time. I could talk about this stuff for days, but we'll probably do this again. And we'll talk a lot more about some of these players come when the Falcons are out of the playoffs. Late we're really February. Digging into this. <laughs> Late February, Jeff says. And we'll really start digging into it. Again, our 
our takes on these guys now could be completely different in a month or two. So let's root the Falcons in to beat the Jaguars on Sunday. Again, this is Thon Ray. You guys can follow us at Falcons underscore drip on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please make sure you subscribe, follow, whatever you need to do to get the alert for our next episode. If you guys enjoyed today, please leave us a review. It always helps us grow. Until then, see you next time. Rise up.